Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Good morning. It is the Fan Early Morning Show. I'm Sean Myers here on 93.7 The Fan, taking you for the next 40 minutes or so until we welcome in Adam Crowley, Doran Dickerson, and a special guest in studio this morning. Got a few topics that I want to get to. Going to focus on the Major League Baseball Home Run Derby in Seattle a little bit later. Also, a significant rule change coming to the NBA that I think most fans will like, whether you're an NBA fan or even a person who does not like the NBA. There's been a lot of criticism about a particular act in the NBA that hopefully, by and large, will be phased out of the game if this rule goes into effect as it is intended. But I want to begin this show talking about a a topic that we have heard many, many times over the past month or so. And I have a different perspective and a different angle on the Paul Skeens situation for the Pirates. We heard so much for such a long time about the debate between he and Dylan Cruz. Who would the Pirates take? Who is the better option? And it really evolved into all sorts of different conversations. I'm not going to really debate that because it's already been decided that Skeens is the Pirates pick. He is, I, I think, a very good pick. And I do not in any way blame the Pirates or any team that opts to go with a big-time pitching prospect with their first pick and the first overall pick. I think that is the best way to ultimately win a a, a series, win a a postseason championship, is by building around a dominant pitching staff, having a top-of-the-line starter like a Skeens, potentially, if all goes according to plan, to lead the way. But what I want to react to is what I have heard mentioned on these airwaves, what I've seen all over social media leading up to the draft and even following the decision to pick Paul Skeens. And that is people saying this was the only way that the Pirates can get an ace. This is the only way that they can get a pitcher of Skeens caliber because they're not going to be able to sign one in free agency. It would be too expensive. They're not going to be able to get one via trade because no team is willing to move a pitcher of that ilk, a dominant top-of-the-line rotation starter, and that if they don't take him at the very top of the draft, obviously the Pirates had the first pick, but I think some would say, you know, you have to have probably a top three, maybe top five pick, then you're never going to get a guy like this. And they look back and they say, you know, Garrett Cole, a, a similar type of player, obviously he has had a terrific career to this point. Some would argue that his best work has been after he left the Pirates, obviously, with the Houston Astros and now the New York Yankees. But they point to him, and he being a first overall pick of the Pirates, that's the only way that Pittsburgh can get a a top-of-the-rotation absolute ace pitcher is to draft one with the first pick in this instance. And so there's a lot of very educated baseball people who have said that. I know Dan Zangrilli, who hosts a lot of the Pirates pre- and post-game, has made that point repeatedly. I think Andrew Filipponi has also echoed those sediments. And again, so many people 
who have chimed in even before the draft and the Pirates seemingly went back and forth between their options. They all said that this is the only way that you can get a superstar pitcher. Well, I did a little research, and quite frankly, the numbers show that that is in not any way true because if you go back the past decade, going back uh, nine, ten years or so, just a rough estimate of Major League Baseball's top pitchers, I figured I would look at the Cy Young winners from the National League and the American League and see how many of them were selected at the very top of the Major League Baseball draft. Because if this is the only way, as people said, to get an absolute ace by drafting them number one overall, then sort of the the evidence would bear that out. But I kind of had a suspicion that that was not the case. And as I continued to look into this, I was proven to be correct. So let's run down some of the most recent Cy Young winners. Now, of course, every year there are two winners, one in the National League, one in the American League. So you have a, a couple of chances potentially to disprove this theory each year. But go back to last year. The National League Cy Young winner, and I think most people would say the best pitcher in all of baseball, was the Miami Marlins' Sandy Alcantara. So was he a player selected in the very top of the first round of the Major League Baseball draft? Well, the answer to that is no. Was he a player who was traded? The answer to that is yes. So that kind of disproves a couple of the notions that you have to take a guy at the very top of the draft and that teams will not be willing to trade a player of that ilk. Alcantara was actually signed by the St. Louis Cardinals. I did not realize this, so I think Pirates fans should be very happy that he did not stay with the the Cardinals uh, to begin his career. But he was not drafted by the Cardinals. He was an international signee. And so this is another way, the international signing period, where teams like the Pirates have a chance to get an absolute superstar pitcher. And so the international signing has evolved and changed a little bit over the years. But there's a pool that you can work from to sign different players. And you can put a significant amount of money into one particular player. You can space it out. It's not really all that different from how the the major league draft works with the high school players here in America, where you can tr- sort of choose how you want to use your money. But a team like the Pirates does have an opportunity for something like that to potentially get a top-of-the-rotation guy. Now, it's a little bit different because most of the best players in an international signing period might sign when they're 16 years old. So you have to have really a good eye for developing and finding this young talent and then working from the age of potentially as young as 16 all the way up as they work their way to North America and then through the system. So you have to have some patience. You have to have some development. And certainly there's an argument that the Pirates have failed in those categories over the years. But Alcantara is certainly evidence that you do not have to draft a player like this. But as I said, he was also traded. So the Cardinals traded him to the Mar for, to the Marlins for Marcel Ozuna. Now, there's other players involved in that. But when he was traded, Alcantara was still very young. And I think that he was probably a, a pretty touted prospect, but he was not to the point where he was deemed untouchable by the Cardinals. And they got a really good player at the time in Ozuna who... Had a good career there, probably not as good as what they maybe had hoped when they got him from the Marlins. But Alcantara alone proves that you can find guys that become dominant, top of the rotation, Cy Young winning pitchers without drafting them at the very top of the uh, North American entry draft. You go back a year prior and the same holds true. Corbin Burns, who also happens to be in the National League, who also happens to be in the Pirates division with the Brewers, 
Well, he was not an international signing. He was not a player who was traded, but he was drafted in the fourth round by the Brewers. So again, fourth round, you can find a guy, and I think most people would say that Burns was not a one-year wonder. Now, he's taken a step back this year, certainly, but he has been absolutely lights out for two consecutive seasons preceding this year. He is truly the definition of an ace, of a top-of-the-rotation anchor for any team, and I think the Pirates would be pretty happy if Skeens turns out to be as good as we have seen Burns be over the past handful of years. He was, again, selected in the fourth round. Does that always happen? No, it certainly does not, but uh, it's another example of a team showing their ability to find an absolute ace without using a top three, top five overall pick to acquire that type of arm. That same year, 2021, you go over to the American League. Robbie Ray won the Cy Young with the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, Ray has had a up-and-down career. He has struggled at times, certainly. He has pitched just one game this season. He's out with injury. He suffered that injury in the first game of the season. He'll not be back until next season. Last year was a, a pretty good but not great year for him in Seattle, but he did win the 2021 Cy Young with Toronto and the Blue Jays. Well, how did he get to, to Toronto to win that Cy Young? Well, it began with him being selected by the Washington Nationals in the 12th round of the draft. So another example of a guy who was selected much, much later in the draft. And then I said he started with Washington. Well, he didn't even go directly from Washington to Toronto. He went from Washington, was traded to the Detroit Tigers. They then shipped him off to the Arizona Diamondbacks. He had a, a pretty decent run with Arizona, struggled with command at times, and then really found his his comfort zone and his groove when he was dealt from Arizona to Toronto. So this is a player who has been traded three times in his career and was a 12th round pick. Again, another example that you can find not only a really good pitcher, but a Cy Young caliber pitcher later in the draft or via trade. Well, you go back to the year preceding that, 2020, guess what? It happened again. Shane Bieber of the, at the time, Cleveland Indians, now Cleveland Guardians, he was a fourth-round draft pick. Much like I mentioned, Corbin Burns was also selected in the fourth round. Are you sensing a trend here? It's going to continue when you go back to 2019. Jacob DeGrom. Now, no one has shown more potential but has suffered through more injury woes than DeGrom. Obviously, he's a guy that when he's healthy is as good as anyone, but unfortunately for him, he has not been healthy very often. He's going to miss the rest of this season after signing a lucrative free agent contract with the Texas Rangers. It's a shame that he just can't stay healthy because if so, he would certainly have a Hall of Fame resume by now, it appears. But that's a different story. He was the Cy Young winner both in 2019 and 2018. Well, when was DeGrom drafted? This incredible arm, this generational talent when healthy, was he taken first overall? No. Was he even taken in the first round? He was not. He was a ninth round draft pick. So once again, you can find these types of pitchers not just at the very top of the first round. You can find them several rounds deep into the draft. As I mentioned, he won the Cy Young in both 2019 and 2018. Well, who else won in 2018 in the American League? It was Blake Snell. He was technically a first-round draft pick of the Tampa Bay Rays, but when was he selected? 52nd overall. Another example, and, and so there's no doubt that the Pirates – can find these types of guys without taking them first overall. So again, Skeens, I think, a great pick, but the people saying that that's the only way that the Pirates will ever get an ace, well, the statistics just did not prove that. 
So that's your 2019-2018 Cy Young winners. Go back to 2017, Max Scherzer. He is another player who was traded. Now, he won that Cy Young in 2017 with the Washington Nationals where he signed a very uh, significant free agent contract. He won in 17 and 16 the Cy Young with the Nationals. However, he was a player that earlier in his career won a Cy Young going back to 2013. So again, I mentioned we'll cover the past decade. A decade ago, 2013, he was a Cy Young winner with the Detroit Tigers. He was actually traded from Arizona to the Tigers before he won a Cy Young. Another example of a guy. Now, he was a higher first-round pick, but a guy that you would have been able to find via trade if you had the the right potential piece to give up to get a player like that. So another example of how the Pirates or any teams that don't have deep pockets can find Cy Young absolute ace pitchers without taking them at the very top of the draft. I mentioned he won in 17, 16, and 13. Well, the other Cy Young winner in 2017 was Corey Kluber of the Cleveland Indians at the time. Kluber, much like Corbin Burns, much like Shane Bieber, happened to be a fourth-round pick. Moreover, he was also traded to Cleveland by way of the San Diego Padres. Kluber, by the way, not only won the Cy Young in 2017, he also won it in 2014. So another guy who was a little bit later of a draft pick, who was also a player who was acquired via trade before he skyrocketed into Cy Young contention and also, and eventually, Cy Young winners twice over, 14 and 17. Another player from 2016, Rick Porcello. He was a 27th overall draft pick. Yeah, that's still in the first round, but it's a later spot. Certainly one that just about every team in the draft would have had access to. And he was also traded to the team he won the Cy Young with, the Boston Red Sox, by way of the Detroit Tigers. Now, he had already established himself as a good pitcher in Detroit and then was dealt towards, I believe, the end of his contract uh, with the Tigers over to Boston. But again, another guy drafted not at the very top of the first round and who was also traded. And just to put a cap on this point, going back to 2015, Dallas Keuchel of the Houston Astros, the Cy Young winner in the American League, did so as a seventh-round pick. And the National League winner, Pirates fans probably remember this name, Jake Arrieta, was a fifth-round pick who also, by the way, happened to be traded to the Chicago Cubs by way of the Baltimore Orioles. So you go back a decade, and more times than not, you will find that the Cy Young winner was either a player drafted a little bit later in the draft, either either late in the first round or, as I mentioned, in some cases, fourth-round picks, seventh-round picks, ninth-round picks, or players who were traded when they were still relatively young. So you don't often get absolute superstar pitchers who are traded because teams certainly value that as a prized commodity, but you can acquire those type of future Cy Young winners when they are earlier in their career before they establish themselves as absolute dominant aces. And I mentioned in the case of Alcantara, you can also find these guys via the international signing period, which is a little bit different than the draft, where every team has the potential to get players of that, where it's not situated as if you have to have the worst record to have the first crack at these guys like the Major League Entry draft is. So again, Skeens, not arguing the pick. I think hopefully he will be a very good pitcher, if not a great pitcher for the Buccos. I do not in any way blame them for taking a dominant pitcher, certainly one at the collegiate level who has less risk, 
than maybe some of the guys that would be drafted later, including high school guys. But the notion that has been parroted time and time again, that that's the only way for the Pirates to get an absolute dominant ace, well, the numbers just do not back that up. Once again, over the past decade, more times than not, your Cy Young winners have been players who were not anywhere close to taken at the very top of the first round of the draft. The Wake Up Show is presented by 84 Lumber. Put your positive attitude to work at 84 Lumber. You can apply at 84lumber.com. This is Sean Myers on the Fan Early Morning Show. If you want to chime in and join the conversation for the next 20 or so minutes, you can do so at 412-928-9370. Once again, 412-928-9370. Take a quick break. When we return, I want to talk about the Major League Baseball Home Run Derby in Seattle some of the positives and maybe some of the negatives that came with that spectacle. That's all upcoming as we continue here on the Fan Early Morning Show on 93.7 The Fan. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sean Myers here on the Fan Early Morning Show. 93.7 The Fan taking you for another 15 or so minutes before we turn it over to Adam Crowley, Doran Dickerson, and a special guest here in the studio had a chance to talk about Paul Skeens and teams acquiring absolute ace pitchers in the opening segment. Want to also talk about the home run derby a couple nights ago in Seattle and that spectacle and the good and bad of it. And maybe a little bit later, a chance to talk about a new NBA rule. But I want to welcome in a caller now as we're going to go to Ted, who wants to talk about Major League Baseball. Ted, what do you got today? Hey, real quick, um, interesting what you're saying, but who was the last um, small market team to win a World Series, and who was the pitching staff? So I would say, and now you can define small market different ways, uh, I would say that it would probably be the Kansas City Royals would constitute small market, and they won back in 2015. Um, so it's been a little while. I mean, since then, it's been the Cubs, Astros, Red Sox, Nationals, Dodgers, Braves, and Astros again. So I would say it's it's fair to say that the Royals would be the last small market team that you would consider uh, as the World Series champs, right? Yeah, I would consider. But but who was their, who was on that pitching staff? You know what? I would actually have to look that up. I don't remember them having an absolute ace pitcher. I remember they had a lot of really good uh, role players, um, Salvi Perez and Alex Gordon and Mike Mustakis and players like that. I don't know that they had really any dominant top of the line pitchers. What? What? Do you recall any? I'm I'm trying to think of it, but I can't right now. I'm just I'm just curious because usually the big market teams they get aces. I mean, usually there's going to be somebody of a high rank on on that on that uh, staff. You know, you look at you know a Gary Cole for the Yankees. They, they always go and get the number one guy. You know, it's very rare. It's almost like Moneyball. It's very rare that a small market team ever beats those guys because talent always rules. And usually once you got the money to go get that number one, 
nine times out of ten, the title rides to the top. There's no way he can compete to that. You know, I'm just curious about that. You know, because you have to have outstanding staff just to be there, let alone win it. And Kansas City, you're right, it's pretty much the last one, and that's a long time ago. Yeah, there's no doubt. And the way that baseball's set up, it makes it so difficult on small or even mid-market teams to to ultimately make these runs. And there are some exceptions. Of course, everyone mentions the the Rays and the Guardians. By the way, speaking of that Royals team, if if I'm looking at the stats correctly, I don't think there's anyone that would be even close to an ace on that team. Edison Volquez was actually one of their best pitchers. He went 13-9, and had a, about 3.5 ERA. Jordano Ventura, Jeremy Guthrie, Danny Duffy, Chris Young, and Johnny Cueto, familiar name to Pirates oh, wow. fans. So really no one that's even close uh, to an ace on that staff. I guess Volquez would be the best pitcher, but at that point in his career, I don't think you would say he's a dominant ace. Certainly not the type of pitcher that Pirates fans uh, hope Skeens can become. So do you do you believe that a smaller market team like Pittsburgh has to draft uh, an ace first overall or in the very top of the draft? Like I was saying, do you think that there's paths to get an ace-type pitcher through different measures like the the Pirates really have failed to do, but we've seen many other teams do over the years? I think that's a philosophy. That's that's what they think. I, I think they – here's the one thing that nutting, I think, overvalues. In almost every general manager overvalues in a sense. I think they overvalue their prospects. In other words, everything has to go right in order for them to win. And sometimes they keep prospects a little bit too long instead of trading them. I mean, you look at the Cincinnati, look how fast they rebuilt. And look at the Pirates as far as their development of prospects and also making key trades. I understand couldn't really make that big trade or get that last piece. I mean, that's what uh, Jared Cole was saying. When it came to getting that last guy to finish it, they couldn't do it. They always failed making that trade. And to me, you have to look at also the trades uh, uh, to get the piece you need to be successful. Usually small markets struggle in doing that. And to me, that's one of the key drivers if you want to be successful. you got to be able to make that trade, identify that guy. There's no way you can do it strictly when just drafting prospects. Right. And so what the point I was trying to make when I ran down these previous Cy Young winners is that you're not going to trade for a guy who's already established himself as an ace if you're Pittsburgh or a Kansas City or a Cleveland or even a Tampa. You're not going to get an ace that is already proven to be an ace, but you can get a future ace when he is very young in his career, especially if you identify talent well, maybe when these guys are even teenagers. I mentioned Alcantara. Uh, was a St. Louis Cardinal prospect before he was traded to the Marlins. Obviously, he's gone on to do great things. But other guys as well. I mean, Robbie Ray was really not established as an ace when he was traded. I had mentioned that there's a, a guy like Max Scherzer was even traded and then went on to to win multiple Cy Youngs, Corey Kluber. I think that's what the Pirates also have to do is identify some younger guys that they can get like that who have top-notch potential before they really become superstar pitchers? Because I agree, no team is going to trade a guy who has already proven at the major league level to be an elite arm. So these small market teams have to be, uh, I guess, crafty and get a little bit ahead of the game in terms of acquiring that type of talent if they want to get a, a, a top-notch pitcher. Yeah, but see, there's a flip side to that. What happened when Huntington traded for Archer? It was a disaster. <laughs> yeah, they maybe gave, they gave up a couple years. potential aces going to Tampa the other way. Exactly. So it to me, it really depends on that general manager and spotting talent and developing talent. That's the problem that the Pirates had, you know, for a while. 
they, they, like I say, they always overvalue their prospects, and they cannot make that key trade. To, to me, it's the general manager. It's also the owner, how you view your franchise. And I still think that the Pirates do. They overvalue their prospects a little bit too much. Final and they thing, can identify talent. Final question for you, Ted. We mentioned Paul Skeens. Obviously, a lot of people very happy that the Pirates drafted him. And there's, you know, a lot of people's consensus is the best pitching prospect in the draft since Steven Strasburg. That includes Garrett Cole, who the Pirates took first overall. Do you anticipate that Skeens will have a career that will be on par with a guy like Garrett Cole? Do you think he'll come up short of that, or do you think he'll be even better when it's all said and done in terms of his Pirates career? Well, you know, I'll be honest. I think he's going to exceed it. I really do. I think this guy is the real deal. Um, a very dominant six foot six pitcher. And uh, it's been a while since we saw a actually dominant pitcher. So to me, it's the talent is there. It's what the Pirates going to do. Can they develop? that pitcher in time to really compete. How fast can they compete? Like I said before, you look at the Reds, if they win the division, it's going to be tough for the Pirates because that's a young team, and they knew how to you know, develop talent. To me, it's all, it's all in the development. You have to be able to develop talent, and you have to be able to, uh, build, you know, be able to execute that plan. And to me, I don't think the Pirates had the manager really to do that. That's another key. Do you have the right manager? I don't think the Pirates do. And one of the real interesting aspects that you mentioned about the Cincinnati Reds and where they are, they're certainly well ahead of the curve in terms of their rebuild. Seems like they yes. are probably years ahead of what most people anticipated for them being competitive. But what's maybe their Achilles heel right now? Starting pitching. What did they do last year to trade deadline? They traded away their ace pitcher, Luis Castillo. I would think maybe they would like to have a guy back like him right now for this season and beyond. But uh, I guess that's the... The potential pitfall is when you trade a guy like that, and they are not often available, when you trade a guy like that, you might not get another crack at getting an ace pitcher like that. So I wonder if Cincinnati regrets that move. But uh, to your point, that will be a team that the Pirates will have to contend with and find a way to try to get past over the next couple of years. Ted, thank you so much for joining the conversation. I appreciate it. All righty. All right. Well, we will take a quick break when we continue here on the Fan Early Morning Show. Some talk about a new NBA role and the Home Run Derby as well. That's as we continue right here on 93.7 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Early morning show. Back to put a bow on this one quickly before I turn it over to the real pros. Adam Crowley, Doran Dickerson, and their very special guest here this morning. But before I move on and send it off to those Fellas, I want to talk quickly about two significant things in the sporting world, potentially. The Home Run Derby took place Monday night in Seattle, T-Mobile. And as a longtime Seattle Mariners fan, it was really cool for me to see kind of the, the recognition of the history of the Mariners with Ken Griffey Jr. And you think of Ken Griffey Jr., you think of home runs, and you think of Home Run Derby, a three-time champion, and kind of the bridge to the, the current and the future with Julio Rodriguez and the show that he put on. Even though he did not win the Home Run Derby, I'd like to see maybe a format change a little bit. 
as opposed to head-to-head in the first round where some guys hit 40 home runs and then they just move on and tire themselves out, nothing really to show for it. Other guys advance by hitting 15 or 20 home runs. Maybe have the, the, the first round when there's eight competitors, the top four home run totals overall advance. Then you can maybe go to head-to-head after that. But that would be one change I'd make. The second one is it is so hard to track these balls being hit on TV because the pitchers are firing in like every three or four seconds. And by the time that the ball leaves the bat, the pitcher's ready to throw another one. Makes it really tough to watch on TV, at least. Maybe the fans in attendance can track a little bit better. But from a viewership perspective, Home Run Derby is probably suffering from the fact that they have sped up the pace as opposed to the old system, whereas one pitch ball hit in the air, you wait until it lands, whether it be in the outfield or over the fence before the next pitch is thrown. I also mentioned a big-time change coming to the NBA. I think a lot of fans are happy to hear that there is a crackdown on flopping. Starting this year, it'll be a one-year experimental rule that there is going to be a technical foul called anytime a player is deemed to have flopped. This is something that I think early in the season you will see officials pretty uh, stringently enforced. The question is, will it stick throughout the course of the entire season? And certainly the real question is into the postseason. But no one likes flopping. It is successful because Jeff Van Gundy, the great analyst, has said many times players do it because it works. That's how they get calls. But I think that this change is much needed. They've already had a flop warning in college basketball for a while. And now a technical foul on sportsmen like one-shot foul in the NBA for flopping. So we'll see how that plays out. But probably one of the bigger complaints that I hear from people who don't like the NBA or even big-time NBA fans, so much flopping. Hopefully this is a way to reduce that. That'll do it for the early morning show. We're going to have Adam Crowley, Doran Dickerson, and their special guest upcoming momentarily. For now, Sean Meyer signing off. Thanks for tuning in right here on 93.7 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 